Hello, hello, and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects today. I'm so excited. This is going to be a good one. (laughs) If you had asked asked me four years ago, if this would be my favorite subject, I'd be like, you're insane. Oh, me too. Yeah. Even, even two, maybe, no, yeah. Two years ago, I would have been like, I don't want to face this. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to. Oh, like brush over it and maybe somebody else can deal with this for me. Huh. Oh my God. I was just talking about with that with someone today. They're like, I just want to give my boyfriend all my money to put into the market. Like oh. I don't want to deal with it. And I was like, ah, no, 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 don't do it. Um, yeah. But anyways, how are you <laughs> before we get into it? <laughs> Um, I'm great. Honestly, I'm visiting my friend in Vermont. Uh, it's really nice to get out of the city and into more like rural area and we're just like really having a slow down week and reading a lot and um going to bed early and like doing a lot of self-care stuff and I just love her so it's been really nice to be here um and I'm reading radical acceptance at the same time it's just like this full circle kind of like self-care week for me so it feels really good radical acceptance by Tara Brock or Marianne yep Tara Brock Tara yeah Brock. Oh, yeah love it's such her. it's such a good one yeah yeah um she kind of has like my dream life so does she to, yeah she's a psychologist and a like Buddhist meditation teacher is that what you would be in another life or maybe in future Amelie form? I don't know about like a Buddhist meditation teacher, but I've always been interested in going back to school for psychology. So I don't know how that will play out in my life. And maybe like, I, I feel like I incorporate a lot of psychology into the things that I do now. Like coaching has so much psychology in it, personal development. And it's just like one of my interests, but I just think she's really cool and it's interesting to learn from her and hear about and read about her life. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like our timelines are so parallel because when I was your age, that's when I started reading Tower Brock and listening to her meditations, like way back. Yeah. 26, 27 started reading about, I think I actually, that's when I bought radical acceptance. That's so that crazy. Is so funny. Have you read outrageous openness? That's another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I think I've brought it up on this podcast before, but like truly one of the books that changed my life. Wow. Yeah. It's all about, it's, it's very connected to what we talk about with gratitude and like, um, using that as a tool to change your life and just like let, letting go and letting the universe take hold. We should make a pod, um, an, an Instagram post of like the five books that changed our lives. Yeah. Especially because I feel like there's a lot of finance accounts that talk about like the top finance books. But in my opinion, there's a lot of books that are so related to finance that aren't finance books. Like I think Outrageous Openness is so related to money and like money mindset because it's like not stopping yourself from like stressing out and worrying about it every day and like shifting your mindset to be like, I love money and money loves me Mm. and like making a plan and actually just like letting the universe take hold and like believing in yourself and believing in the universe and believing in abundance. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that forever. Me too. (laughs) Um, How are you? I'm good. Uh, So you're in Vermont. I'm in New York. So we're not home. Neither of us are home. I, um, I had a bunch of wedding stuff to do, uh, for the weekend. So we came out here and it just makes me so happy. One to be with my mother-in-law and I got to see a couple of my friends. My, um, my best friend, Brittany came, um, like dress fitting with me and her, she's just the best. So like I put on the dress and I'm like, okay. And like her and my mother-in-law are like, fix that, fix that. <laughs> like, oh. like, thank God they're there to like, see the, de- the details that I don't see. Um, and yeah. Uh, what else? on like a super personal note, I'm starting to go to therapy with my own mom. And so that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's happening. And yeah, we're like, that's huge. That's a huge step. Yeah. I'm like, you know, there's so many pillars to wellness and relationships are a pillar. And so, Oh yeah. Sometimes you need to work on many of them. I'm in a fortunate situation that I really only need to work on the one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's important, right, for your whole being to like have physical, emotional, spiritual relationships, financial health. Oh yeah. Those are my pillars. Yeah, those are good pillars. Yeah. Um, yeah, but okay, so now that we've kept you all waiting, I'm really excited <laughs> to tell you what today's episode's about. We're gonna be talking about debt and savings. Um, and kind of how they work together, because I think we could obviously have a whole conversation on just debt and we can have one on just savings, but I, we wanted to show you that you can build wealth while paying off debt. Um, and the way that you grow wealth is by changing your debt mindset, which we'll get into. Um, but before we kind of like dive into this is going to be very factual, like not, this is an opinions, this is how to get out of debt and how to build wealth at the same time and tools and tricks on how to do that. But I wanted to start with a question. I'm, I'm going to ask our listeners to take a moment and like even pause the episode and ask this for themselves. Um, but I'm going to ask you, Amelie. So um, what is your, when you hear the word debt, what comes to mind for you? Um, and can you talk about your former self before you got your finances in order and your current self? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a good question. Um, my former self was absolutely terrified and I, the word that comes to mind is frozen, like mm -hmm. frozen by debt because um, I absolutely did not believe that there was any good debt out there at all. And I had my own credit card debt. I think at that point I was like, before I came to work with you, I think it was like upwards of $12,000 ish, which is a lot of money. Um, and it felt, it felt impossible. And I felt frozen. Like I felt like I didn't know what to do about it. I also felt like I didn't know how to not go further into debt because I was working a job that was underpaying me. And I was also living like a pretty expensive lifestyle living downtown in a city. And so the two just didn't match up. And so not only was I already in debt, but I also, if I hadn't started working with you, I would have been in $20,000 of debt easily and like even more because it would have just kept piling up. And so I felt frozen. I felt overwhelmed. Um, and I felt really angry, like both at myself, but also at the world. I felt, I felt like I, um, I felt like I almost like wasn't taking personal responsibility for my debt. I was like, well, this is, this is what happens when my job doesn't pay me enough. Or like, this is what happens when my parents don't teach me about money. And, and that was like kind of keeping me from one of the, there was a lot of factors, but that was one of the factors that was keeping me from really addressing it because I felt like it wasn't my responsibility to tackle this, even though it was in my name and it hundred percent was my responsibility. Um, so, so yeah, it was just like really, really overwhelming, frozen, like a lot of anger, just like a lot of negative emotions around it. And also, I mean, number one, emotion was just like stress and anxiety. I thought about it every single day. I thought about it probably like every single minute of every single day. Right. I talked to all my friends about it. I was always just like, um, dumping on other people because I was like, this is so stressful. I can't think about anything else. And as we've talked about extensively on the podcast, and as everybody knows, like money is such an important part of life. You have to use it every day for the most part. And it touches so many things. And so I was constantly being reminded that I couldn't afford things and that I had this debt. I didn't have a plan. I was just like really overwhelmed and anxious. Yeah. Now that is like a total 180 because I've done a lot of work on myself right now. I feel like, um, well, I guess I have to like caveat it by saying that I completely paid off that credit card debt. And I do have like a little bit under $5,000 of medical debt from a surgery that I had. Um, but that is like really not stressful to me because it's just a bill every month and it's like no interest. It's actually 0% interest. So I do have debt, but um, my net worth is positive. And I feel like really grateful to that debt because it allowed me to get a surgery that like I really needed and that changed my life. And that was like really necessary for me. So I don't know. I, I feel like 
grateful to money. I feel grateful to that debt. I feel like I'll have no problem paying it off. I feel like I understand the difference between good and bad debt. And I just feel like a lot of gratitude towards money and debt because, um, yeah, it's just like, it's not something that overwhelms me at all. And I feel like I understand it and like, I have a plan for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about Uh, you? So, so debt when I was before get, before getting my finances in order, debt was the thing that kept me up at night, the thing that um, I just never knew how I was going to get it, it together, how I was going to pay it off. I was just, again, like not really taking ownership of it. It never really felt like it was my responsibility to pay off um, and to do, do anything with it. But I was like constantly riddled of riddled by fear. I felt very like um, in, imprisoned. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly, I felt like I was in, I felt like I was shackled with, with chains. Um, absolutely. The thing was just weighing me down. It was, it wasn't a dirty secret because I didn't like hide it from people, but it felt like this, like this, this thing that was just weighing on me. It was just weighing Mm -hmm. on me, weighing on me, pulling me down. Um, as I started to take ownership of my debt, um, it felt and like it does, like kind of like this, I got to pay it off. I got to pay it off. I got to pay it off yeah. kind of mentality, um, which is something I actually work really, really hard with clients on working through because it can feel like, a, you know, not a competition, but like, like a race to pay yeah. it off as fast as possible, um, which is why I'm so passionate about talking about short-term savings that for like upcoming events while you're paying off debt is so important forecasting. Um, because you, because if you just focus on the paying off debt, you miss the things that are happening. And so I was really fortunate while I was paying off debt that I had all these, um, events in my life that needed money, like weddings and travel and taking off work to go be with my, um, you know, to be with Brett who lived, we were long distance. And so I was kind of forced by my life circumstances to like have to not just put all my money towards debt. Yeah. Um, that's something not to interrupt you, but yeah. that's something that we worked on together a lot and that you helped me with a lot because I was so one of those people that was like, okay, I, I have a plan. I see the finish line. Like I just want to do it right now. I know. And you kept reminding me like, you need to save money while you pay off debt. And I'm so grateful because as we've talked about on the podcast, I moved to a new apartment. And if I hadn't been saving money, I would not have been able to do that. So it was, it was like, it's so important to talk about both together. Yeah. Yep. I love that example. I remember, I literally remember that (laughs) it was like January. It was like December, January time. We like just Mm -hmm. started working together or maybe it was like a year into us working together. It was like, yeah, it was like like a year year mark. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that so well. So now once I'm like, so I still have debt. I Mm -hmm. still have student loan debt and I am still paying back my taxes from 2012, but I don't have a debt mindset. Like I don't feel enslaved by my debt at all. I, I just feel it's, it's, it's a bill. It's something that, um, I pay off and I'm super grateful for. And I know if God forbid that I had to pay off that that tax debt that I put on a zero interest credit card. Like I could, I, it's not what I would do with my emergency fund, but I absolutely could. I'm just, I'm, I'm leveraging debt, which we'll talk a lot about um, so that I can build wealth. And so I do have, I think I have a, I either have a zero dollar net worth, or I have like a little bit more than that. And that's taken me two years to build a zero net worth, which is awesome. Yeah. But if I had just put all of that money towards debt, that would have cost me, well, one, the emotional, like to have a seven month emergency fund and to have two years of, you know, maxing out my retirement account to have that. I can't even begin to describe how amazing that feels, but I would lose out between 20 and $50,000 in retirement if I didn't start two years ago, like when I started. Yep. And so like, we're talking like huge, just so that I could pay off that same amount of debt 
and and I'm still paying off the debt. Like I'm paying off the debt and I built two and I built all this in two years. So I'm all about like, let's slow down the process. Let's change our mindset around debt so that we can build wealth because you, you cannot, you need time to build wealth. Absolutely. Yeah. Compounding interest, baby. Yeah. Compounding interest. <laughs> so I do think it's really interesting. So the literal, the Latin translation of debt is to owe or a duty, which I think is really interesting because something that you said, which is that you didn't feel ownership of your debt. Like it wasn't your problem. And, and what they're, and what the Latin root, the root translation is that it is our problem. And it's when we take ownership of it, um, it actually can be really empowering. It really can. It was for me. It really was because I was like, okay, this is my problem. I'm going to take ownership of it and I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And I did. And you, and you, and you absolutely <laughs> did. You absolutely did. Yeah. Um, With help, but I did. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we advocate for that all the time. Like I didn't do it alone. Yeah. At all. And, and nobody has to, like, that's a myth that you have to figure this all out on your own, especially in the society that we're in. Um, a lot of money things are not taught. And so asking for help is actually like really powerful. And, um, honestly, like the first step in the process. Yep. So let's talk about the first step in your debt repayment process. Oh, or should we talk a little bit about the nervous system? Or I feel like, because we already talk about that all the time, like, yeah, let's yeah. just talk. Okay. <laughs> if, you want Same to know, thought. <laughs> if you want to know about the nervous system and how money psychology and how money can affect you, we have a, an amazing episode on the nervous system. And I go over all of that. There yeah. could be a really good episode to partner with that because yeah. debt, the debt mindset has the same chemical reactions as like, a like being stressed about money. Um, I can so- figure out exactly which one it is and put it in the show notes because I don't know off the top of my head. Perfect. Okay. So step one, you want to get out of debt. What is the first thing you do? Take a moment. Think about the answer. It's a little quiz. What do you think is the, the things that most of our um, listeners are saying in their mind? Pay it off. Pay it off. Yes. I wanted to get say like throw job. your money at it. <laughs> yeah, throw money at it. Get a second job. Don't, you know, don't eat out anymore. Cut spending. Yeah. So the Which first- is what some very famous people in the uh, finance world will, world will tell you to do, which we don't agree with. Yeah. 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 We know, you know who you are. So <laughs> Dave Ramsey. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So step one is you absolutely have to know how much money you spend per month. So how do you figure that out? You look at your non-negotiables, your non-negotiables are your rent, utilities, car, insurances, phone bill, anything that you absolutely need in order to survive in the 21st century. You know, like you need a roof over your head. You need a cell phone bill. You need, you might need a car to get to work. Um, yours could be a Metro card, but anything that's fixed, that's not changing, that needs to happen every month. Like if you don't pay rent, you are going to be in severe trouble because you won't have a place to live. So that's your non-negotiables. Your second set of information is your reoccurring monthly expenses. So your reoccurring monthly expenses are your Netflix, Amazon, um, your gym membership, your budget coach, your um, gym membership, that your, other gym membership, your um, new, your new, oh, did you say that already? Funny. Uh, new York times subscription, like anything that's coming out of your card that is automatically that's reoccurring, um, that you don't, that doesn't change month to month. Exactly. So what that does, so your reoccurring and your non-negotiables, those two numbers combined are your baseline, how much you need every single month without eating, without going to get coffee, without buying beauty products, without getting your nails done. That's your number. So first step, as I am looking at somebody's budget is if their income is lower than that, those two numbers combined, then I know that they don't have a spending problem. They have an income problem. Mm -hmm. So once you understand those two numbers, then this is where you're going to have to do some investigating and you're going to have to do 
and look and see how much you spend per month in groceries, concerts, um, beauty products, beauty maintenance, travel home supplies, yeah, home supplies, home decor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to get really granular. You like, there's no, there are no categories called target and Amazon. You have to look through your, your, your receipts and you need to itemize every single thing into their correct category. Yeah. If you're spending more than like a hundred dollars in a category that's labeled Amazon, break that down. Yeah. Yeah. Miscellaneous should be no more than 150. And even then I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. But I can, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll accept 150 if they do it before starting to work with me. But then it's like, I want that number to be like 35. Yeah. Um, I want you to be able to track every single thing that you possibly can. Um, I'm a really big fan of compartmentalized shopping. So when I go to the grocery store, I don't buy home goods. I buy home separately. So I keep everything really separate to make it easier to, to budget. So once you have those three numbers, that is your monthly expenses. That's how much you have per month to that. That's how much you spend per month with on average. Now, the other two areas that we haven't included in that is debt and savings Mm -hmm. your month. So your minimum for your credit card is also going to go in your reoccurring monthly expenses. And you're going to account for that in your monthly expenses. So let's say you have four credit cards. There's a, there's a minimum minimum on all those credit cards. You are going to put the minimum in your reoccurring monthly expenses as a baseline. That's the start of your debt repayment plan is having those numbers sitting in your budget, automated coming out every single month. Once you have that number, you're going to look at your your income minus your expenses. And if you're negative, then we're going to have to make some changes to your budget. So we're going to see if you can get a roommate. We're going to see if you can... Um, if you can cut some of your lifestyle expenses, if we can cut some of those subscriptions, like we're just going to, we're going to trim the fat on your budget. Um, so that we can one find extra money for you to save and to pay off debt. Um, and two, because there's probably a lot of like unconscious spending that's happening. So we're just kind of like cleaning up house. Oh yeah. When I, before we started working together, I would spend an average of like $4,000 a month. And now my budget is a thousand. You you would spend four thousand dollars in lifestyle? No, with everything combined. Right. But it was still, I mean, probably like three thousand in lifestyle. That's crazy. Twenty five hundred. Yeah. 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 It was just as soon as it was in, it was out for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Plus some. Yep. Yeah. So then, so then, if it's positive then we know that we have that additional money to work with every single month to put towards debt and savings. So then once we figure that out once, so this could take like one to three months just to figure out how much you're spending per month. Realistically, if we're working together and you're like consistently showing up week, every week to every other week, we should have this number by at least the end of month two. And it's just, this is, this is it. Then we maybe spend month three to like make sure you can live within this budget because sometimes you're like, oh, I forgot that every four months, you know, I have this huge expense that comes up and I need to account for it, which is why I'm a big believer in forecasting and projecting those things out. But let's say that those things come up. So we kind of use the first couple of months to get comfortable with the budget, get comfortable with the monthly expenses before we go and like aggressively tackle your debt and your savings. So once we have those numbers, you take, so let's say you have an additional $500 a month to put towards debt and savings. And you're like, AJ, I need to get out of debt like immediately, like this is killing me. I'm like, all right, why don't we take $400 towards the debt and $100 towards the savings. Let's just do that. So you immediately make the decision, what am I going to do with that that extra money? You're going to put some of it into savings and some of it into debt. Yes, I think you should be putting more into debt than savings, but you should still be contributing to savings. Absolutely. So you can build wealth while you pay off debt. Yeah. When you're starting, I don't think it should be 
put more money into savings and less money into debt. Yeah. You know, the only exception is if you know that you have something coming up, for example, I have a client who's moving in a couple of months and she has a very small amount of debt. So it's not going to take her that long to pay it off. But right now she has to prioritize savings because it's going to be expensive. And so that would be an example where it's okay to do that. Um, but if you're like, if you're don't have any major events coming up, you should be paying off your debt. That's a really good point. And, um, and, ex- and two things that just came to mind. The first one mm-hmm. is, so let's say you have an additional $500, but that doesn't include any short-term savings. So mm-hmm. let's say we put $50 towards an emergency fund. Then we put a hundred dollars towards those those upcoming costs like weddings and vacations and things like that. And then the rest would go towards debt repayment. So that's 350. Mm -hmm. So now you have an additional $350 towards, um, towards debt repayment. Why do I say an additional? Oh, are you asking me? (laughs) I'm asking the audience. And then I'm, and then, and then I'm, and then I, and then I think she'll answer it, but that's okay. Why do I say, (laughs) I just like listening intently. Go ahead. (laughs) So why do I say I have an additional $350 to put towards debt? Oh, I don't know what, I don't know what you're, what you're going for here. Okay. Totally fair. So the reason why I say I have an additional $350 is because I'm still paying the minimum balances on all my debt. Right. Absolutely. So because those are part of the reoccurring expenses. Exactly. I see where your brain's going. I was not yeah. following. No, I got it. I got it. Um, I'm so excited to get feedback on this. Be like, AJ, I had no idea where you're going. So, okay. So you start with one debt at a time. So this is what I see happen all the time. I have an addition. I got a bonus. I'm going to put 300 there, 400 there, 600 there. And that is the worst and most inefficient way to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you start with the the worst debt that has the most interest. Worst debt, mm-hmm. credit card debt. Number one, you start with credit card debt. Everybody, you hear me? You start with credit card debt. You don't start with debt and collections. You don't start with student loans. You don't start with mortgages. You don't start with car loans. You start with the highest interest that the, the debt that was caused by mismanagement of your finances, yeah. your credit card debt. And let's explain that even further. So the reasoning behind that is because the, if you pay off your highest interest debt first, then you will end up paying the least amount overall, because if you're prioritizing paying off a mortgage, for example, that's like four or 5% and your credit card is, is has like a 22% interest rate. That's just going to keep building up and building up over time. So you want to really pay that down so that you don't end up paying those interest fees. Exactly. So you have your minimum balance on that card, and then you have your additional resources, $350. So every month you are paying the additional $350 plus whatever that card minimum balance is. Mm-hmm. You pay that card until it's fill full while you continue to pay the minimums on all the other credit cards. Mm-hmm. As soon as that debt is done, it's at zero. You're going to take the $350 plus the minimum from that first card. And you're going to comp- put it on top of that second card. So yep. now the second card is paying its original minimum plus the first card's minimum, plus the additional $350. Yes. So then you pay that card off. Then you take that money, which is the $350 plus the minimum from card one and two and three, and you pay off the third card. And then by that time, you're going to have that all that extra money to pay that fourth card. And all of a sudden it's cause it's going to start slow, right? It's going to take you a little bit of time to get out of that first credit card. But once you get out of that first credit card, it's going to be faster to get out of the second one, super fast to get out of the third one. And by the fourth one, probably a month or two and you're out of it. Yeah. Because you're adding more and more money as you get, when, when you pay off the, a credit card, then you're freeing up extra money to pay off other cards is exactly. basically the thesis statement there. I think also a question that people probably have is why, why are, why do they need to prioritize paying off the minimum on all cards if they're practicing the snowball method and paying off like one card at a time? 
So that's a great question. So the first answer is that it helps you out in the long run because you're continuing to lower that debt. Yep. The second reason why is because it keeps the debt in good standing so that it doesn't go to collections. Yep. And a third um, reason is that it helps your credit score because yeah. if you're paying off that minimum, then that's really the main thing that credit companies look at. Along, There's a lot of other things like your debt to credit ratio, but if you're paying that minimum, your credit score is actually going to continue to, to not plummet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so then once you're done with all of that debt, now then you're going to have a lump sum of money that you didn't have in your arsenal before because you were putting all that money towards debt. And that's where you pause and you say, okay, now I have, I have a thousand dollars that I was spending on debt. And now what do I do, do with it? So then it's, we tackle either the next debt or, and uh, at the same time, decide how much of that do we want to put towards savings? So yeah, it's not I, like that. Sorry. I just want to take a moment to remind people because this was something that I really struggled with when I was paying off debt is that it takes time. There's no way around that. Like it's once you start coming up with a plan, you're like, I want to pay this off so fast. Like I see what I, I see the finish line. I want to do it. But like, there's no way around the fact that it just takes time and to like, give yourself some grace because, um, there's, there's no way that you can make it go faster unless you like crazy increase your income, which is an option, but like, it's going to take time and to like, allow yourself that time. Yeah. So, so once the debt's done, it's deciding you don't get to go and be like, so this is how people get back in debt. They don't save while they're paying off debt one. And then two, they immediately take that money they were putting towards debt and they put it back into their, their lifestyle and then it's gone. Yeah. So gonna- That's one reason why we don't, really don't like Dave Ramsey because he tells you that you don't need to save to, while you're paying off debt. And then people just continue to get back into debt. I swear it's because he wants people to buy his program again. <laughs> like I swear to God, Probably. but, um, it's so, it's like so important to do the, both at the same time so that you don't get yourself back in that situation. Exactly. And so you take that $1,000 and we're going to go, okay, we're going to put 500 in towards your emergency fund, 200 towards your, um, your wedding fund, travel fund, moving fund. And then we'll take that other $300 or $200 and we'll put that towards the next debt. And yeah. then and can you talk a little bit about like the logistics of those accounts? So like, where do you want your emergency fund to sit? And then like, how are you breaking it down so that you have all these different places to put this money? I do want to talk about that, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. Great. Um, oh, we're almost there. I just want to, I want to finish up the debt part. Oh yeah. Um, what debts after credit card? Good call. Yes. So the last thing I want to say about debt is um, h- how to utilize debt. Mm. So mm-hmm. the greatest thing that you can do is get all of your debt on zero interest, or at least the, especially those high, high interest credit cards. On this changed my life. Yeah. So basically, um, there are plenty of balance, trans- 0% balance transfer credit cards that you can um, apply for if you have a credit score of 630 or above. And they can go from anywhere from fit 14 to 21 months, zero interest. And what that, and you would tr- balance transfer your debt over. And it's usually like a three to 5% um, initial fee but that's it. And then it's 0% for the, the lifespan of the debt until those months end or the life, sorry, the lifespan of 14 to 21 months. And what that gives you is time without interest. And so what I do is I, so I'll take an 18 month uh, zero interest. And let's say I have $3,000 debt. I will divide um, 3000 by 18 and whatever that number is, that's how much I pay per month. I automate it. So it comes out on the same day every month. I put that credit card underneath my bed. I never look at it. I never touch it. And it's just like a bill. It comes out and I, uh, and I pay that off. Yeah. And that, and as opposed to, yes, 
could I pay off the $3,000? Yeah. And a lot of people can, but that's not the point. It's about let's use that additional money that you could just throw at the debt to stay in a high interest savings account and keep growing you money. Um, or allowing yourself that extra $100, $200 a month to save every month, as opposed to having to make, to try and pay it off in six months because you have to get out of debt and blah, 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 blah. Um, so who this is good for, this is, so number one, to get a zero interest credit card, you have to have a monthly budget. If you don't, you're going to, it's so tempting to fall back into a debt cycle. Um, so you want to have a lot of um, security in your monthly expenses and you know exactly how much everything costs and you do not use that 0% card at all for anything other than that one thing. Um, what and I did with my card is I froze it. I literally put, put it in a bag of ice and put it in my freezer. I was That's like, so I, I'm not using it. Yeah. I was like, I don't even want it anywhere near me. I think I saw it in a movie and I was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I froze my card literally and figuratively. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't want to put any money on this card. This is purely my like balance transfer card. And then when you do that, you can treat it as a bill. Yeah. Also so, a caveat with zero interest cards that I think is important to mention is that they have incredibly high interest rates after the zero interest period is done. So it's super important if you go down this route to make sure you pay off the card and make sure that you can pay off the card during those months, because once that uh, zero interest time period is over, they'll immediately charge you a huge percentage on the full chunk of your debt. So if yeah. you have like $5,000 and it's 25% interest, it's going to be horrible. Yeah. 100%. Um, the other thing is, uh, um, oh, so let's talk about when to use a 0% interest credit card, because I don't want to hear that. Like you want to go like do laser hair removal and put it on a zero interest credit card. Oh my God. So that's something it's like save for that. In my yeah. opinion, that's something you can save for, but you really, you want to be careful in how you're utilizing debt because debt is a responsibility. It's a duty. And so you want to like, I, I don't want you for every high ticket item to be going and putting it on a zero interest credit card. It needs to be intentional and thoughtful. So, um, so for example, like I owed $6,000 to the IRS, um, from a, from 2012, from when I was 22 and I made stupid decisions. Um, and so I put that on a credit card so that I can pay that off in 18 months versus um, having to create a payment plan with the IRS and they were going to charge me 5% interest. Um, and also it was so that I can be in my, I can have it in my own power. And then especially with IRS, I didn't want to have to owe them money because every year I still have to pay the IRS because I'm an independent contractor. So that was me being like, I'm going to, I'm going to pay off this debt. So every year I get to start on a clean slate with the IRS. Um, another area is obviously like on and on credit cards, um, that you, uh, that you have sitting around with high interest medical bills, um, unless they're going to offer you 0%, a lot of medical bills offer yeah. you a 0% through them directly. So, mm -hmm. um, that's a really good one. Um, places that I would not do it is collections, um, collections by your debt for pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that you can do with collections is a settlement um, and, and work with them directly and try and negotiate your price down. Um, so I would not use that for that because they want cash and they want, you know, they're going to, you're going to want to negotiate with them. Um, are there any other debts that you can think, any other ways to use as your interest that would be beneficial? I think we cover them. I mean, for me, the, the main one is really credit card debt because it's just so easy to do a balance transfer and it takes off so much of the stress. Yeah. As long as you're using it wisely and like you have a plan and you know what you're doing. For me, it was an absolute game changer because before I started working with you, I was just paying the interest and the minimum on my credit card. And that was tough. And so it's like, if that's all you can afford, how are you ever going to pay off your debt? But when you take away that interest and you're able to treat it like a bill, um, one, it's amazing for your mental health and two, it makes everything just so much more manageable and you actually are going to pay less overall. Yep. 100%. I love it. Um, okay. 
So that leads us in to savings. So the reason why we talk about debt first, because you can't create your debt. You can't create a savings plan if you don't have a debt repayment plan. So this is why I always teach it in literally this order, because once we understand your debt repayment plan, we can figure out and finesse your savings plan. Um, you can't do it the opposite way. You can't be like, I want to save $10,000. Like, how do I pay off this debt? Um, because first of all, like that whole concept of like, I need to save this arbitrary number of money, like literally means nothing. It, what is that $10,000? Like, is that, is that a down payment on a home in, you know, Oklahoma? Is that, <laughs> you know, is that $10,000? Is that, what is that for? you know, every single dollar in your life needs to have meaning and intention. So once you figure out your debt repayment plan and included in your debt repayment plan is how much you're putting into savings, we can talk about the savings that I think are the most important to start off. They're not the end result. They are also not the only things I want you to be focusing on. They're just the three first things I want you to focus on. So the first one is, and like I said, these all work together. I'm not like save this, then move to this, then move to this. They're all happening together. We're, we're allocating money to all of them. So the first one is your checking account balance. So your checking account balance should be one month of your expenses. So if you add your non-negotiables, recurring monthly expenses and lifestyle expenses, plus debt repayment, you'll get one month of expenses. You're going to save that into your checking account. And I am a huge believer in using credit cards, um, using one credit card every single month. Um, Amelie, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I don't know where you stand with that anymore. Because mm -hmm. I know that when we were, anyways, so I'm excited <laughs> to hear your thoughts. So I use the same credit card every single month. I don't use any other credit. And I pay it off on the 28th every month and the 28th becomes the end and the end of the start of my cycle. So once I pay off, let's say I have $3,000 on my credit credit card. I take the $3,000 and I pay myself. I look at if I have over my monthly budget, sorry, over my monthly expenses. So let's say my monthly expenses is $4,000. So once I've paid that, those, that $3,000 off to my credit card, I already know that rent's been taken out. I know that all of my bills have been paid because everything happens before the 28th of the month. Whatever I've left over is going to go to my emergency fund, my, like my future, um, my emergency fund or my, um, or my retirement account to add more money to my retirement account. Yet I still contribute to those in automatic payments, mm -hmm. but anything additional goes to those two funds. Just to throw a wrench in, my income right now is, is more lumped together. So I also put money away for rent for later months. Mm -hmm. So that's just another fund that I, I just see if I need to allocate money there. But that's it. And then I get my checking account back to $4,000 and my month starts again. Income comes in, income comes in, bills go out. On the 28th of the next month, I pay my credit card and I do the whole cycle over again. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your, what are you doing with credit and how does that look for you? Um, so what I do is I am using my credit card now. I didn't for a really long time as I was kind of learning what I needed to do with the money. And like, honestly, it came down to like, not really being able to trust myself with a credit card. Like I needed to see the money coming directly out of my account in order to really stick with my budget. Um, now what I do, I, this will, might be surprising to people, but I still track my monthly expenses in my notes in my phone. It just works so well for me. I break it down by week when I pay for something it takes me five seconds to just put it in there and then at the end of the month I still put it into my budget so that I can break it down into categories and see what I'm doing but like that system works really well for me I think eventually I'll move away from it for, but for right now it works well and I'm going to stick with it I put money on credit cards I pay it off at the end of every month um, mine is usually around the 28th too but I don't have like a hard and fast date 
um, because my landlord also Venmo requests me for rent. So it's kind of like whenever she wants to do that. Um, I pay my rent out of my checking account. And, and then I always make sure that my checking account is at the same number at the end of every month. So that I'm starting each month with a full month of expenses. Yep. So Perfect. similar, but a little bit different. Same, same, but different. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So you're starting to build wealth into that checking account while at the same time, you're putting money into an emergency fund. So an emergency fund is about eight to 12 months of expenses. So actually it's seven to 11 because you have one month in your checking account. Mm -hmm. So in total eight to 12 months. And what is a month expense? It's your non-negotiables, reoccurring monthly expenses and lifestyle expenses. And you want seven to 11 months of that in a hot, going back to Amelie's question in a high interest savings account. What is a high interest savings account? It is a special account that has a higher interest than your average bank, than Chase, TD Ameritrade, um, City, yeah, Wells Fargo. It's- yeah, so a lot of those ones have like 0.01% interest, whereas a high interest savings account should have at least 0.5% yeah. interest. So that even though your money isn't going to be making as much as if you are investing it, it, it is going to be making more money. And it's an account that you can always pull from if you have any emergencies. Exactly. It's off. It's not usually attached to your, Mm-mm. your checking account. So it's a little bit harder to get to. So it just make adds that little extra of accountability. Um, and what is emergency fund? What is the importance of an emergency fund? So an emergency fund is where you have this enormous nest egg of support. If you were to lose your job, if you were to, um, if you were to decide, you know what, I'm, I need to quit my job and have that assurance that you could. Yeah. If you needed to move out of a bad housing situation, if you own a house and you have to repair something unexpected, if you have an unexpected medical bill or you like hurt yourself in some way, um, there's so many things. Some financial coaches, like some experts say that you should not only have your, if you own a home, you should also have a home fund. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, I'm, I'm like totally open to either for me. So my strategy right now is I'm trying to build wealth. So I keep everything in my emergency fund, mm-hmm. um, right now that I need to, because I'm not like, like future costs that are so like for my, like my wedding dress, like I ended up being able to use I ended up being able to save monthly expenses for it, but like I was saving it in my emergency fund yeah, because I wanted the interest and I want the, the money to be sitting in high interest longer. Yep. Um, but yeah, so yes, you can use your emergency fund to go sign up for like, you know, a yoga retreat. You can, if you have enough of it, but it's about being like, okay, well you're consistently paying back into that emergency fund. You're never not putting money into that emergency fund until you get to a place where if you have 12 months emergency, then you can be like, all right, I don't need to put any more money in here. But if you go and spend it, you get, you better be putting money back into it. You always want to be replenishing. It should be a consistent eight to 12 months, 12 months really. So what my fiance does, because we, everybody does something a little bit different and I really Mm -hmm. like what he does. So he has his minimum balance in his checking account, which is one month of expenses. And at the end of the month, if he goes over, because let's say we needed to put a deposit down for the wedding or there was a big expense or, you know, he went to Utah or whatever, and he spent a little bit more, he pays himself from his emergency fund because mm. he's always putting money back into his emergency fund every yeah. month. It's just going in and out. So he's like, you know what? I went over $400 this month. I'm just going to go and pay myself. So he becomes his own bank. Yeah. The way, the reason why we do things differently is because I'm such a budgeter that I, if I went over in a month, instead of taking from my emergency, I would just spend less the next month to pay myself back. Right. Like that's what I would do. But my fiance is not in the same financial situation that I am. And so for him, it's like, you know, if he saves money, it goes straight into he goes, Oh, I'm over 400 goes straight into the emergency fund. Yeah. If he, if he spends too much, he just puts it right back. But he becomes his own bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the year, when he gets his refund back, he decides what he wants to do with that leftover money. 
that's, that's after, you know, once, cause his emergency fund is like where he wants it to be. So then he's like, okay, what do I do? Do I want to invest this money? Where do I want to put it? What do we need it yeah. for? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, then the third account is your retirement account. And so before you go and you set up a Robinhood account, before you go and set up an E-Trade account, um, you should have a business. If you work for a nine to five and if they have a 401k, you should be contributing to a 401k through your company. If not, then you should have a personal retirement account called an IRA. There is a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. We're not going to talk about the differences here, but um, we are posting some information about our about it on our Instagram this week. So you can go check it out there to see really detailed information. Yay. I love it. It makes me so happy. Yay. <laughs> but, um, but what you do need to know is that um, for an IRA, the maximum contribution is $6,000. It has to be $6,000 earned. You can't set your kids up with a IRA if they haven't earned that, that money. Um, so it has to be earned income. $6,000 is the max. And um, if you are working for yourself and you don't own a business and you don't have a way to have up a 401k, you should be maxing out. You should be, that should be a goal every year to max out your retirement account. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in the beginning of the episode, every year that you don't max out your retirement account is 20 to $50,000 lost in the future. Yep. So why is that? Why is that? Because of compounding interest. Yay. Compound (laughs) interest. Yes. So essentially um, the average market return for the last 30, I think it's even longer than that has been, and maybe a hundred years has been 9%. Mm -hmm. Now there are some years that are really low because the market crashes or the market sinks. Some years it's three, it's 30%. So on average, it's 9%. Now you take that 9%, you add it to your first year. Then you take that total and you add it to the next year, an additional 9%. And it just keeps compounding and compounding over time, um, which is why it's so important to, you just need time. And you also need, um, um, you just need time. <laughs> yeah. And so the earlier you put money in, the more time is on your side. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, when I say, and I've said, and I'll say it again, is that you don't have to checking account, then, then, then emergency fund, then retirement account. It's like, yeah. get $25 going into your emergency fund, get $50, or, you know, get $50 going into your emergency fund, get $25 going into your retirement account, like start setting up these systems now. And then at the end of every month, you can decide, okay, I'm going to put a hundred into my checking account. I'm going to put 50 into my emergency fund and 25 into my retirement. Yeah. It's really just setting up those streams so that you have them accessible and you get used to putting money into those different places. Because then when you get more and more money, it'll feel natural to be putting money in all those different places and you can increase it as you go. But if you're only saving for one, then adding a whole nother stream where you're putting money is going to feel a lot worse than if you have it set up from the get-go, even if you're just putting a little bit of money in each place. Yep. 100%. I want to talk about two more savings things. So Mm -hmm. one, short-term savings, short-term, I'm going to repeat this twice, (laughs) short-term savings, triumphs, debt repayment, and long-term savings. Short-term savings, sorry, I'm going to say it correctly. Short-term savings trump debt repayment and and, um, long-term savings. The reason why this is, is because there are consequences if you can't pay for the thing that's coming up. If you can't afford to go to the wedding, then there's consequences for you not being able to go to that wedding. Either you're really sad or, you know, maybe people bought, you know, got a house and then you pull out last minute because you can't pay for it. So um, as you're creating your debt repayment and your savings plan, you have to take into account those short-term savings that need to happen. Yeah. Uh, Or you go back into debt because you can't say no and you put on a credit card and you're just in this constant cycle. And that's the number one thing you want to avoid. Exactly. So when you're looking at your budget, you want to be forecasting for six months minimum to, and you can even, so for me, like 
I can even look out for the whole year. Cause like, yeah. I know I have seven weddings. Um, what does that look like? How much does each wedding cost? Like, what am I going to be accounting for? And then I can just start trickling money either into its own checking account called a wedding fund, or I can put it in, I can literally take it out and put it in an envelope called wedding fund, you know, on the envelope just so that it's, it's, it differentiates and it's in, it's part of my monthly expenses. Like I just have a line item that says weddings and I can yeah. just put a hundred dollars there and then I take it out every month. So what do you mean another checking account? So, um, some banks are really crappy about this and some banks are awesome about this mm-hmm. where, um, you can have as many different accounts as you want and at no fee. And so you can have, like, you can call your bank and ask them if they can set up another checking account for you, as long as there's no fee. Yeah. Some banks even let you do it in mobile banking. For me, it was so easy. I literally just went in and was like, other checking account, name this. So easy. Case is not great at that. Um, Bank of America is pretty good. Oh, that's awesome. Bank of America is awesome. I know that a lot of credit unions are really good with that. They are. Yeah. Union is great with that. Um, I have... I have a rent fund and my emergency fund. Those are, they, they all live in my credit union. Um, what else? Um, so that, sorry, I have a quick question for you. I'm actually curious to hear your opinion on this. So what, so let's say you do have a credit union account and you're getting like 0.5% interest on there. Why would you choose to make a second credit, a second credit account to save for like weddings instead of putting it into that? um, credit union that's giving you more interest. Like what would be the reasoning for that? That's a really great, really great question. Um, so I, I'll just speak to like what I'm specifically doing and, um, yeah. and I can talk about what I'm doing too. Cause I have my thoughts, but you go, go ahead. So the only addition, the only fund that I have is a rent fund because the way my income works is that I get like I get a huge chunk of pay of payments in one month. And then I get smaller amounts of payments mm-hmm. three months. And so I just wanted to have a place where like, I knew this was purely like emotional, like where I knew that I had May, June, July rent sitting there. Yep. And I just want it for peace of mind. I just wanted to have it there. Yeah. Um, the other thing, so where I'm at with my budget because I'm so in control of my spending is that I don't really need to have a sinking fund for weddings because I account for it in my monthly budget. So, um, like I said, I, so if I see that something's coming up, I try to extend the length of purchases. So I'll buy, flights in one month, um, dresses in another month, um, accommodations in another month. And I separate them all so that they just go for me, they're in my monthly budget. Um, which is why I don't need funds for them. But when I'm teaching budgeting, I always want them to create those funds. So they start to get comfortable with the idea that even though they're not spending money on a wedding this month, that if the more they have saved, then the less they have to stress about it, because I've been in so many situations in my life where I showed up to things. And as, as much as I was there, I was not present because I was so stressed about money. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I have a couple different checking account. Like I have what my plan is. I haven't done this yet and I don't know why, but what I want to do in my account that has my emergency fund is I want to do a travel one there because for me, that's not something that's projected out six months. That's like potential travel in the future so I can put it in there and pull it out when I need to. Um, What I do in my checking account is I'll project out like six months because usually those aren't big expenses. It's like a couple hundred dollars. It's not going to make that big of a difference if it goes into my other account. And it's something it's, it's the same idea as taking it out of a budget monthly because I'm putting in the money monthly and then I can access it immediately. So those are how I think about my two accounts. So I have different categories and, and each of them, but like long-term saving is going to go into that one that has the higher interest. And then things that are just projected out for six months are going to go into that checking account. Yeah. Very good point. And there's different ways that it works for everybody. It's like, you got to find the way that it works for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the second thing I wanted to say about savings was, oh, 
what to do if you are, you have a 12 month emergency fund, you Mm -hmm. are maxing out your retirement accounts and you have a checking account balance. The next step is investing. Yeah. Learn about investing, the better it investing does not have to be it, it should be, but it's not just going into the stock market. You can be investing by buying a home. You could be investing by investing in a friend's company. Um, there are many, many, many ways to invest, but you should be looking for things that are going to give you a high return on your investment. Now, obviously a lot of this depends on age. If you're older, then you want to be focusing on stock, you know, bonds and yep. Low risk investments. If you're young, this is the time to really take risks. Um, working with um, a financial, like a portfolio manager. Um, I spoil like random thing that we're definitely going to talk about at some point is that just because you're a financial advisor does not mean you help people plan their finances. This is something I've just recently learned. That's not necessarily the name of the game. So when you're if you're in a position where you are looking for a financial advisor, you want to find somebody who's going to look at your entire financial mm-hmm. picture and help you plan and make strategy around your finances. You don't want someone who's just going to manage your portfolio. It's a very different thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good call out. I also think if you are interested in learning more about specifically investing in real estate, a great episode to go listen to is one we recently did with Jen Ewan of the Pledgeettes. She goes into detail about her strategy um, and why she invests in real estate. And she has an amazing quote that's invest in what you know. And so I think that could be anything for anybody, but just make sure that you're researching it and you understand it. Like another big one is investing in cryptocurrency, which a lot of people do. I personally don't because I don't understand it and I haven't really taken the time to learn. Maybe I will one day, but I'm pretty good with how I'm, how I'm, how I'm investing right now. So it's totally personal and you make, can make the decisions and what you want to invest in. Also, she talks a lot about and something that I'm really passionate about is investing in um, like how you want to see the future of the world. So like investing in companies that you believe in. For example, I invest in a lot of solar and a lot of like environmental companies because that's something I really believe in. And so like I make the choice to invest in those companies and that's where my money is going. Yep. And that's what financial freedom allows you to do. Yep, exactly. I, Mm -hmm. yep. To be able to make choice and have agency in your life. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer. Okay. So I think we just inundated people with a lot of information. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, maybe listen people. to this episode twice. <laughs> yeah. I think two, three times, take notes, ask questions, reach out to us. Like this is what we do. So please ask yeah. us questions. We're happy. As you can hear in our voices, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah. And just know that there is no perfect. It's perfect for you. There is no right 100%. strategy. There are, there are systems and they work and they're, and they're like, they're very universal. Like this is a template that we give all of our clients. We customize it for each and every single person. I do not give blanket state advice to anybody. I don't Mm-mm. give advice to anybody based off of, I need to see the whole picture before I go ahead and give advice. Yeah. And it's going to be different and unique to you. It's about taking the steps, listening in. We gave you a clear idea of how to start and then it's the next step is making it personalized and feel good for you. And that's why working with a financial coach is such a game changer, at least in my personal experience, like what I was doing, I remember like looking up stuff and like downloading a free budget template, but like that doesn't mean shit because it, it wasn't personalized to my life at all. It was just like this blanket statement that someone was trying to apply to something that's so personal. So working with a financial coach can really change everything for you because they can look at your numbers and help you make that really personalized. 100%. Vote for me. Elle would. <laughs> but seriously. Uh, uh, but seriously. Okay. Amelie, what are three things that you're grateful for? Uh, I'm just so grateful for you. I am so grateful that one, you were my finance coach and two, that we have a podcast together and like we work together. I just think it's so fantastic. And I always love listening to you speak and I just love you. So Aww. I'm very grateful for you. Um, I'm really grateful for my friend, Brooke, who I'm visiting. It's been lovely just to be able to like slow down with her and 
be in the same space together. We haven't seen each other in like a year and a half because of COVID um, and some other things. And it's really nice to be together. And I'm grateful for really good quality food. We went grocery shopping this morning at a local co-op and it just is such a game changer when you can like see a, 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 I don't know, lettuce or spinach and like know it's coming from the farm down the street. It's just such a game changer. And I'm so grateful that I have access to that. That's amazing. What about you? I am piggybacking off of you and I'm super grateful for you and our friendship. You're a stip- you're like a, a stabilizer in my life now. And, um, I just, I'm just so, I'm so grateful that you're going to help this business grow so much. And we're going to help so many people Hell yeah. fit together. <laughs> um, I am so grateful for how like that it's starting to like feel like spring and mm. turning into summer. And I'm just really excited, um, for the warm weather. It's like, so having a dog now, I like really am taking in like all the beauty around me, just like the mm. trees and like the leaves on, like, it's just so beautiful right now in the world. And I just feel, I see it everywhere. And, um, I'm super grateful to be an American right now because, um, we have, we are doing a really good job at getting vaccines out and it's really lifting up morale for a lot of people. And I feel really fortunate again, you know, to be able to be a citizen of a country that is like making this happen. And I know other countries are really struggling. And so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good call out. Have Thanks. you gotten both of yours? Oh yeah. Nice. I'm fully nice. vaxxed. Oh, fully vaxxed. I know it's like a, uh, it's like a, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like- a- do you have a card and you're like yeah Uh, did you see the south park episode that was uh the vaccination special (laughs) it's like one one of my favorite things i've ever seen anyways i get my second one next week Woo! yay awesome well everybody thank you for listening to everybody's bad with money we were sponsored by beyond the green coaching we offer private coaching group coaching couples coaching and personal uh financial wellness courses at your corporation. If you're interested, please contact us at everybody's bad with money at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on LinkedIn. Check us out on Facebook. We're all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks everybody. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.